Hey. Hello. How are you, my weird friends? It's me, your host, Rachel. How are you doing? How is your week so far? Mine is super lovely. Thanks for asking. So I have some exciting news for you. We have shirts. Mm-hmm. So I originally had a shirt designed for my mom for her birthday because she is my number one fan and she'll fight you if you want to argue that. So this had me thinking, I want more than one person walking around sporting some pocket full of crime merchandise. So I had my logo designer Trent come up with a amazing design, you guys. It is so cool. So if you are interested in a fan club shirt, let me know. You can do so over on Instagram or Facebook at Pocket Full of Crime, and I will find a way to make those available to you. I think I'm going to have to build a website. I've kind of put it off this long because I don't know where to start, and I'm not like the super tech-savvy smarty pants, so... I'll just post a preview of what the shirts look like on my Instagram and Facebook, and you can let me know if you are interested. So let's get right into it. Let's get into the creepy shit that you came here for. This week, I decided to cover an Australian case. I have listeners all over the globe. Australia, Canada, Norway, England, South Africa. Yeah, the list goes on. It blows my mind. People on the other side of this planet listen to me. So I wanted to show my appreciation for all my listeners outside the States and choose a case in their neck of the woods. So this week, I chose Australia. I have always wanted to visit. It's been on my top five places to vacation, but I heard you guys have like massive spiders, like the size of my face. If so, I might have to rethink visiting. (laughs) I cannot handle spiders. I mean, I can talk about serial killers and murder, but not spiders. In this case, we are traveling to the city of Hobart on the island state of Tasmania, Australia. Hobart is the capital and the most populous city on the island of Tasmania. Population is estimated at 240,342. Tasmania is an island state about 150 miles south of Australian mainland. You can access the island by direct flight or take the car ferry. Hobart is home to one of the world's most intriguing art galleries. And I read, if you visit, you have to try curried scallop pie. It looks pretty similar to what we would call a pot pie. This has a creamy curry filling with scallops. I also have to add in the most dangerous or aggressive wildlife in Tasmania, which include the tiger snake, lowland copperhead snake, white-lipped or whip snake, funnel web spiders, redback spider, jack jumper ants, and blue ringed octopus. I mean, that doesn't sound so bad. 
we have creepy crawlers here, but no aggressive octopus. You are listening to the Tasmanian Devil. described as a quiet, wealthy man who restored antiques. Born in 1944, he was the son of a wealthy farming family. The family's origins were traced back to the foundation of Tasmania. Peter was well-educated. He attended private schools. Over the years after his schooling, he worked as a shearer and a jackaroo and delivered beer. I had to Google exactly what a jackaroo was, which was a young man working on a sheep or cattle station to gain experience. And jackaroo is just really fun to say. Peter traveled extensively. He worked in England, Scotland, Denmark, and even the US. Peter was a published poet and locally known as Poet Peter. His 1992 book of poetry a Bush Wedding, was dedicated to, quote, to my ever-caring and supportive wife and four beautiful daughters who provide all the beauty a human being could ever wish to have. Peter divorced his wife, Wendy, in 1995. Together, they shared four daughters, Georgina Rose, nine years old, Sarah Francis, 12, Anna Josephine, 14, and Rebecca Rose, 18. Let me fill you in on the events that took place in Tasmania, Australia, just a year before our story takes place in 1996. Port Arthur Massacre took place April of 1996. It was a mass shooting that claimed 35 lives and wounded 23 others in Port Arthur, Tasmania. The murderer, Martin Bryant, pled guilty to the crime, and he was sentenced 1,035 years in prison without the possibility of parole. If you were interested in hearing more about the massacre, I will gladly cover it in a future episode. So let's fast forward a year, 1997. It was said that Peter had grown depressed over his estranged wife, and he had also lost his manager job at a vineyard as well as the entire state of Tasmania was still recovering from the mass shooting. 
Wounds that take a long time to heal. June 28, 1997. The ex-wife, Wendy Eines, dropped the four daughters, Georgina, Sarah, Anna, and Rebecca, off at their father Peter's home. Wendy described Peter's demeanor as being normal and ordinary at the time of the drop-off. Oh, but there was nothing normal and ordinary about what happens next. She had no idea June 28, 1997 was the last time she would ever see her daughters and ex-husband alive again. Early the next morning, June 29th, Peter placed a call to triple zero, the emergency service in Australia. Peter stated on the phone call that there had been a tragedy. Once police and the ambulance arrived to his home, they were greeted by Peter's body lying outside near the shed entrance. Once they got up close, they realized Peter had a gunshot wound to his head and he was missing his right hand. Yeah, you heard me. His right hand. Gone. There was a bloody axe nearby and lying on a chopping block next to the axe was his bloody severed right hand. The horror didn't end there. There was more terror awaiting them inside. All four daughters were found inside their bedrooms, dead. All in separate rooms, in their beds, made to believe he must have killed them in their sleep. Their throats had been slit. However, the oldest daughter, Rebecca, who was 18, had defensive wounds found on her arms, which led the coroner to believe she might have woken up before her own father killed her. It's believed after Peter slit his daughter's throats, he posted and even hand-delivered several handwritten letters to friends and neighbors, a total of 15 letters. There were a stack of sealed letters found on the kitchen table, stacked neatly, stained with blood. Then Hobart coroner Ian Matterson later found the letters to be long and detailed. Peter spoke of his concern for the world, his mention of his animals, and detail of how they should be cared for once he was gone. Among the 15 letters, some were even addressed to his daughters, instructing them on, quote, life, which the coroner suggests was proof the killings of his daughters wasn't the original plan. Many suggested Peter's mental state worsened considerably after the Port Arthur massacre. Peter wrote, quote, Would it be right to bring children up in such a world? Apart from the referencing such a cruel world, there was no reason to believe how troubled he really was. No apparent motive for what he did. Apparently, Peter was told from his own general practitioner just 12 months before the murder-suicide that his disintegrative arthritis, mainly in his lumbar spine, was worsening and could mean that within the next several years, he may have difficulty or no ability to walk. Peter expressed his concern for his own future, but his daughters had everything to live for. To the public, Peter came off as a normal man 
slightly eccentric. Certainly didn't raise any alarm he was planning to kill himself, and definitely hard to believe that killing his daughters would ever be in his plan. Mr. Matterson, the coroner, stated, quote, whether taking their lives was seen as a way of protecting them from the world as a result of some depression or delusion will remain speculation. The community had some speculations of their own. It was believed that Peter had cut off his own hand as some form of self-inflicted punishment for the brutal deaths of his daughters. I thought the same thing when I had first read into the case without any more detail other than his daughters were murdered, he committed suicide, and his hand was mutilated. But I also had the thought that this might have been some weird way of making history in his name since he was a published poet. Poets use their hands to write. So maybe that had more meaning behind it than first glance. The coroner didn't agree in the community's theory. He stated it must be remembered that Peter came from a farming family. People on the land know that a bullet to kill instantly, it must be accurate. To cut an animal in such way, so it bleeds to death, ensures a rapid demise. Quote, I am of the opinion that severing of the hand was no more than insurance in case the bullet failed to perform its intention. Former journalist at the Examiner, Barry Prismal, reported on the case. He got the call at his office in Hobart. All the detail that he got was just that there was a murder-suicide in Hobart. Barry was driven to the scene by police. That is when he stated he was greeted right away by the gruesome scene and severed hand. Once he learned the gory details, he drove next door to do interviews with the neighbors about the family. This is when he discovered he knew the mother of the murdered girls and their aunt as well. He actually had dinner with the girls' mother just a week prior. Barry stated, quote, These girls were very well known, respected, liked, and loved in their communities, and the ripple effect of that was horrendous. This is a community with open wounds from a mass shooting. Now this. Peter was no longer known as Peter Poet or Poet Peter. <laughs> he was labeled the Tasmanian Devil. Wendy Eines, the mother, did remarry in the year 2000, but passed away in 2010. Yikes. That one was a bit of a downer. So... Let me lighten the mood with some of my cheesy jokes since I haven't told you any lately. Okay. Where did the cat go after losing his tail? The retail store. Ducks have feathers to cover their butt quacks. Poop jokes aren't my favorite jokes, but they are a solid number two. Okay, one more just to make it an even number. Whenever I try to eat healthy, a chocolate bar looks at me and snickers. <laughs> All right, freaky pants. This wraps it up for the Tasmanian Devil. If you liked this episode, be sure to go check out my Instagram and Facebook page at Pocketful of Crime, 
where I upload pictures of each weekly case so you can put a face to the crime. Be sure to share my episodes with your friends and family. The more listeners, the more sponsors, and the more sponsors, the more content I'm able to create for you. You know, since I have to have a real job, go look at the fan club shirt design. Let me know if you have any suggestions for a new design you'd be interested in sporting. Until next time, stay weird, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Hi, mom.